listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Everybody and welcome to Alive Again on Pet Life Radio. But really, we are Pet Loss Radio. And before I forget, we have started a new section on YouTube called Pet Loss TV. And every week I take one of your questions and answer them in a video on my YouTube channel. So go on over to YouTube, Brent Atwater, and tune into Pet Loss TV, where it will remind you to come back on over here to our Pet Loss Radio. Today, we are going to talk about details. And the details are, when your pet passes away, don't die. And I know you die. And I know your soul explodes, fragments, and goes into never-never land. I can't talk to anybody when my pets pass away. And I mean, I just shut my life down. And if you're listening to this podcast during that time, take the time to go see all of the other podcasts in our archives. Or if you're in the point of possibly a pet getting ready to transition, we have a whole lot of podcasts in our archives that will help heal your heart. And that is the most important intent of these podcasts is to help heal your heart. Now today we have Gina Dial with us and Gina is going to help us and give us ideas on how to channel that nothingness, that nowhere land, that whatever I don't want to live, shut my life down, I can't do anything, I just want to stay here and grieve space that you really can't stay in to move forward in a healthy way. Well, you say to me, grief? I get to grieve as long as I well please. And that's true. Everybody takes as long as they need. After my fiance was killed, it took me seven years before I could even interface with the world. So when I'm saying quit grieving, move forward, what I'm really trying to do is to say, I understand. I grieved excessively long, but it was my way and it was in my time. And that's how I did it. And But what we want you to do during that time, even though you do it your way, is productively and positively. So we want to take bad pet grief and turn it into good pet grief. And after a word from our sponsors, we're going to talk to Gina about how to channel pet loss grief into good grief. Be right back. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. There's nothing more delicious and healthy than an old family recipe. And for over 50 years, our family's been creating them especially for your pets. Nutrisource Super Premium Pet Foods. Dog and cat food that's all natural, holistic, and organic. Nutrisource Pet Foods contain our patented Good for Life system for your pet's optimum health and well-being. So order now. Safe quality food made by our family for your furry family members. Go to NutrisourcePetFoods.com. From our family to yours, Family Brands. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. 
we're back. And we do hope that you take the time to visit with our sponsors because we wouldn't have them on our show unless we thought they were really good to help you in the areas that each of them are presenting their particular sponsorship. So, Miss Gina, thank you for joining us from this great state of Texas today. And tell us about how you have found ways to channel pet loss grief into productivity and to allow you to go forward. Thanks, Brent. I have wanted to talk about this for so long, and I talk to a lot of people, and I reach out to them when they lose a pet because they almost become frozen in place, and they don't seem to be able to move forward. They don't want to get another pet because they're saving the space for the pet that has passed on. When my Labrador Retriever was the first dog that I had, he was 15 years old, I had to make the decision to put him down because he would have lived forever for me. And I knew that, but his body was falling apart and failing. And so I made the decision that I was going to put him down. So I knew a week Okay, now I'm going to interrupt you just a little bit here, and I know it's not nice to interrupt, but we want to try and train people out there in Radio Land and our listeners to say transition. You help them transition. And the reason we're trying to say that is because we're hoping that that will channel a positive look at pet death instead of putting my dog down or literally the medical term euthanizing them. But We ask that our members out there, which is why we got Gina to say this today, instead of saying you put your dog down, no, you put their body down. But you really didn't even do that. You may have helped a body cross to the other side that was dysfunctional, but really you're helping a pet transition because their soul never dies. And even though the body is gone, their soul goes on forever. So Gina's going to be talking about what to do with that ever-living and everlasting soul and not the body parts that, as she had said, that had deteriorated beyond repair. Go ahead. Excellent point. Yes, you're absolutely right. I had the opportunity, though, to know this ahead of time. I've had this happen twice, the first time with Murphy. So I knew ahead of time. So I knew I was going to be devastated because Mm -hmm. this was going to be my first. And this particular time, ahead, a week ahead of the actual transition, something came across my desk, and it was about Paint Your Pet. It was one of these groups. There are a lot of franchises where you go in. You know, it's a BYOB if you want to, you know, have friends and bring some wine, and, and they'll paint either a group picture or they'll have a Paint Your Pet where you'll send the pet's picture in, and they'll get the canvas ready. So a week before... Murphy transitioned, I saw that and I signed up for it because I thought, okay, I know that I am going to be devastated. So let me find something to help me with this. So a week prior, I signed up for it. And the actual class was about three weeks after he actually transitioned. And sitting there in a group with a lot of ladies all painting their pets, I wasn't the only one who was painting a pet who had recently passed over. That was a very cathartic thing to do. Now, when you say painting your pet, I'm sitting here listening. Did you have a picture, or did they teach you how to paint your pet, or was there canvas? What they do, and and, and Brent, this is so wonderful because you don't have to be an artist. (laughs) Oh, good, because I'm going to say, you know, ooh, I I don't see paint. And, and, but I, I do enjoy painting, but I don't do it often, but I, I do enjoy it. And what they do is they will ask you to send a photograph. And then they now, who will. Who is they? We would like to let people know about this company. Who is they? Okay, this particular company is called Painting with a Twist. Okay. And this is a franchise available in Texas. I don't know if it's available nationally, but you can find, if you would Google, 
painting your pet. I, I'm okay. sure a lot of these groups will come up because they're okay. everywhere. Okay, well, see, we didn't know about that, all right? Yes, and you send a photo in, and what they do is they use an overhead, and they trace it onto a flat canvas. Onto, really? Uh, yes. So you have a pencil outline, and then what they do in the class, it's usually two to three hours, is they put down for your particular pet the color palette that you're going to need uh, based on the color photo you sent in. Yeah. And so they will then help. They have about three to four people who walk around the class and help you with background. They'll start with background. Let's put the background colors in first, and then they help you do that. Let's do the eyes. Here's how you do So you'll be back and forth with, you know, focusing on the front of the room, looking at what they're teaching you to do, and then you're painting your pet. So what I think happens is you get, you love your pet, you're looking at your pet's face, but you're taking your pet's face apart, piece by piece by piece. So it's almost like the focus is off the loss of the pet and more on how do I create him? How do I make him look good? Well, and and see, when you say look good, what you're trying to do is how do I put the soul look in his painted eyes? Yes. And that is, and I'll tell you, it was so wonderful to do. And these, this is just one small thing that you can do. Then the second thing that happened when Murphy passed away was, you know, I wanted to do something for him. I, aside from having his grave, I live on a lot of property, so all of my pets and animals can have a grave and a headstone. I wanted to create serenity in the area where he was buried. And I don't, didn't know about labyrinths. I didn't know. It popped into my head, labyrinth. And I thought, what is that? Googled it. I saw what it was and I thought, well, I could do that because I have the space. And I made a small labyrinth, but what it is, it's like a puzzle on the ground that you walk through. It's a maze. And then you get to the center. And the way it was described was you enter the labyrinth with your fists closed and you hold all of your grief, all of your stress, and then you walk the maze, and as you walk it, you open your hands, and you let all of that drop out. And there are patterns for mazes or for labyrinths from all over the world. It's an old, old religious type of thing. You saw it in a lot of churches. So and I literally, found I want to add, you can uh-huh. take classes in labyrinth training. A friend of mine went to Europe and studied in France. Mm-hmm. On, they have labyrinth docents, which teach you the history of labyrinths and how to have labyrinth classes and all sorts of things like that. So there's a whole new opportunity and subject for our listeners out there to Google if you'd like. Yes, take a look at what it is. And I picked a very, very simple pattern. It's very, very simple. It's not complicated. And I did put it up on Brent's Facebook page and got a lot of comments on it. And they said, wow, that's amazing. It's very easy to do. And especially if you're doing it for a purpose and if you're doing it for your pet. And it took me, I drew the pattern on the ground with a pick. I just had a stake in the center of the circle. It's 24 feet across. And I, I tied a string on it, and I made the different areas, the different circular pieces to it by increasing or decreasing the string. And I dragged the pick on the ground to draw the pattern into the ground. And then I took, I bought bags and bags and bags of river rocks, tiny little river rocks, and yeah. I filled in these grooves because I knew if I didn't fill the grooves in, the horses would walk over in the deer or whatever, and I wouldn't have my pattern. So I filled them in with the loose rock. And then for the next six months, I would daily in the morning after I took care of the horses and my chores, I went, took my bucket, and I would pick up rocks. I wanted rounded rocks that were about 
softball size. And yeah. I would pick these rocks up and take them down. And I could only take down maybe, you know, six or seven at a time because, unfortunately, rocks are heavy. And I would place them until six months later, it was totally finished and it was all done. I had to keep it low to the ground because I have horses and I didn't want them knocking things over. As it is, they do kick the the rocks out of the groove every now and then and I go back down there maybe twice a week and I'll walk it and I will replace, put all the rocks back to where they need to be. But it did take six months, but it was a wonderful experience because when it was finished, I looked at it and I said, I can't believe I did that. I cannot believe I did it. And it's down there where my pets are buried. Wonderful place to go. It's very peaceful. It's a beautiful area. But for six months, I think that that's what helped me get through the loss was just the fact that I had a job to do. But this job was all related to the passing of my pets. So I know when you look at the picture of it, you think, oh, my God, I can't do that. Yes, you can. It's very, very simple, very easy steps. It's a very simple pattern, and you could do it in any size you wanted. Uh, You could do it tiny. You could do it big. You can do it however you want to do it. And when you do Google labyrinths, Google backyard labyrinths, and they will show you how to do tiny ones, bigger ones. But it's a nice thing to be able to invest your grief into. It's something that you build. And I did, when I posted this, In Brent's Facebook page, I did get a lot of comments from people who said they did things like planting beautiful flowers on the grave or planting, you know, bushes in remembrance. And that's also a really great idea. You know, there are companies out there where you can actually get kits where you can order them and, you know, you can mix the ashes with the soil and grow something so that the living plant is actually your pet. And, you know, it's a wonderful way to memorialize your pet, and it's a living thing that you go to and you feed and you water and you take care of, and it's just like... Do these grow up to be real big trees? They can be. Yes, they can be. They can be put back out into the yard, or there are different sizes that are available. So they could be a plant, house plant, could be in the house if you wanted to keep it into, you know, an ivy or something like that, or it could become a tree, an outside tree where you actually put it outside. I think what's most interesting about this, and everybody is out there probably going, oh, ooh, mine would probably die, which, you know, I'm thinking <laughs> with my green thumb, it might think. But what I think the entire concept of this is, is, again, transition, because earth to earth, was it dust to dust, ashes to ashes, you know, when a body changes forms from a physical body, it then does become literally fertilizer, and in putting those ashes into a living being, it is a form of oversouling that being so that the life force of the pet is still alive and well, but this takes the remains of the body to create a life force for another living thing, be it a plant or whatever. And so I think the concept of it showing a cycle of life is what is the most enduring and the most important because it really is showing how it is a cycle, just like the butterfly is an ugly old worm and then he cocoons himself in a casket of a cocoon and then he comes out a beautiful butterfly. So the pet's ashes then contribute to the well-being and life of another plant being or whatever being you would add it to. And I just think that's uh, lovely. Be right back. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. It's designerpetsweaters.com, the latest fashion trends for our furry friends. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. 
beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. designerpetsweaters.com Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, also known as the Pet Lady. I travel from coast to coast to pet trade shows and consumer events to scout out what the hottest, hippest, and most unique pet products are on the planet, bringing you tips and tricks from top veterinarians, groomers, trainers on how to safely travel and live happily with your pets. The Pet Lady will be in a city near you, showing off the latest and greatest tech pet gadgets, cozy comforts, and fab gift ideas for man's and woman's best friend. You can learn more at thepetlady.net or connect socially and tweet with me at PetLadyWorld. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We were discussing pre-show about sometimes how experiences, even though they may not seem positive at the time, are sent to help dissuade your grief. And you were telling us a story about a dog. And if you would share that again, I would really appreciate it. Because when you look at things after death, everything seems to be doom, gloom, doom, gloom, doom, gloom, at least in my house it is. And I'd like Gina to tell you this story about a dog that was rescued that had a ball and had problems and how even though it doesn't seem positive, the flip side of it was it was a very positive experience. How about sharing that with us, Gina? My Australian Shepherd, Bailey, who I rescued him off the side of the road, was a very, very special, I love all my animals, but he was a very special dog. He was very, very scared. I had him for 13 years, and I had a very, very special communication with this dog. He transitioned last year. It was a horrible experience for me because he went into stage four kidney failure, and and it was sudden, and I didn't have time to prepare myself, and I never truly got past it. And so I, you know, for this past year, for all of 2014, I suffered with this horrible, it was almost like a weight that I carried on my back that was this grief and I couldn't get rid of it. And I could talk about, I could cry in a heartbeat. I mentioned his name, tears. I mean, I could not get rid of it. And, you know, he's down there with Murphy. He's where the labyrinth is. I would always take flowers down there, talk to them, talk to him, but I could not for him get rid of this special feeling and and I've come some people have told me that it's called a these are called heart dogs or the dogs that actually get into your soul that are the special ones it's not that yeah. you love them any more than your other dog but there are the special ones Brent what is that called it is called sometimes a soul pet or a heart pet and yeah. they are the ones that touch you beyond 
And they are the ones that if a pet is going to reincarnate, those are the ones that do have the probability, the highest probability of returning. But you may have three dogs or three cats or horses or whatever, and maybe one of them is attached to your heart more than the others. And I'm telling you, every pet lover has experienced this, so they know what we're talking about today. You can have, I had a house of three dogs. One of them was my heart pet. When that dog's heart beat, my heart beat. But when the other two, they were just so special and wonderful, but they weren't my heartbeat. And right. so that's the difference in those pets. And like I said, those are the pets that have the highest probability of returning for another lifetime with you because you learn more lessons from a heart pet, whereas you enjoy a romp through a time frame in life with your regular pets. Right, so that's right. the difference. I was glad to learn that because I kept thinking, why do I love Bailey more than I loved Murphy? So when that was cleared up for me, I felt a little bit better. But anyway, Bailey uh, transitioned the 2nd of January, 2000. 14, and within three days, there was a dog that was brought into my life, a rescue dog. He was deaf, a difficult dog, a border collie, Australian Shepherd cross, very active. Very uh, wired. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And But he can't hear. And so while I was still kind of grieving for Bailey, and Riley just literally was dropped into my yard and the gal drove off. And I thought, oh, my God, what am I going to do with this dog? So, again... I really think that Bailey sent Riley because all my focus was taken off of my grief and onto this new dog. And how do I deal with them? And so one thing led to another. I was traveling for my job, and I took him to a trainer who taught him basic sign language, hand signals for basic obedience. So when I came back, he was a little less wired. He could communicate. He seemed happy to be able to communicate. And so I've had him and you know, all throughout the year. And then in December, I had a luncheon for 12 people. There are people who work at rescues and shelters, and I wanted to do a luncheon for them to celebrate what they do. And we had an incident. I was very, very careful with Riley, who is the deaf dog, had him on a leash, brought him in. Everybody of this group knows how to handle animals, so they knew about this dog and, and that he had a special issue. So everybody was just great until I let him off leash. Everyone said, let him off leash. He's doing great. He's doing great. And he really was. And I thought, oh, wow, this is so easy. So then I let him off leash and he was good until one of the attendees decided he wanted to play ball with Riley. And Riley has a special toy, a special ball. That is his. He loves it. It's almost like a pacifier. Keeps it in his mouth and he just kind of chews on it. Since Riley doesn't give you the ball, it's his. They made the mistake of trying to take it out of his mouth. And of course, that did not end well. So my friend did get bitten. And that immediately took Riley, put him back on his leash and removed him from the group of people because now I was scared. Now I was afraid. Because I thought, oh my gosh, what is going to happen now? What am I going to do if he's going to do this to people and be aggressive? And, and I went through this whole crazy period of what am I going to do? How am I going to fix? I'm afraid of him, which is not a good thing because he could pick that up from me. So as I'm coming into now, now realize this is coming into the anniversary of Bailey, my heart dog's passing. So I was very aware that a year had passed and I was very sad and, and still held this, kept this thing on my back, kept this grief that would never go away. And so I was dealing with that at the very same time. But when this happened with Riley and my friend got bitten, I stepped back and I had to now worry about this new dog. And so talked to a lot of trainers around the country, said, what do I do? How do I handle this? 
where do we go from here, got great advice, was finally satisfied that I had, I was on the right track, I knew what I was going to do, which of course, we're not letting him go, we're keeping him, so, so I have all kinds of good things to do to work this problem out with him, but when I pulled my head up out of all of that, all of a sudden, that weight was gone, and I thought, wow, where is that horrible grief I was carrying around from Bailey, where is it? And I realized that, good or bad, this situation that happened with Riley and his aggressiveness towards this person who was in my home, it actually relieved or got rid of that grief that I was carrying. So it may not have been a happy occasion, but what it was was something that helped me get rid of that horrible, horrible grief that I had. So I'm very thankful because I did not know what I was going to do because it was coming up on a year and I still had that trigger where if anyone talked about Bailey or anything happened, I was immediately in tears. And now it's gone. And I don't love him any less. I don't miss him any less. I just don't have that horrible weight anymore. And I believe that this situation with the deaf dog was put there to help me get rid of that. And I'm very, very grateful. I think that it was. I think that it was sin. A lot of times people, because I deal with reincarnation so much, people say, is that my pet? I think that is your pet sending you another animal that needs your love or that can benefit from your love or that will participate in your life, just as you said, to help alleviate the angst that's in your heart. And I think that a person who is large-hearted, you're going to say, well, I can't love them. It's not about you can't love them because you have an innate ability to just open your heart and your pet knows that. And so when they sent this dog that had aberrant behavior to you, even though you were still hurting, your heart being who you are just opened up and Bailey knew that. So it was like, okay, we'll send this dog to mom. She'll get and she'll make it happen right. So I think it's a compliment. I do too, and I believe everything you're saying is absolutely 100% true. I think that he was sent to me like three days after Bailey transitioned. How would anybody know to bring this Uh dog to me in the middle of nowhere? I live in the middle of nowhere, and this white dog shows up, and he's deaf. And then again, you know, I still carried it. It didn't help it. It didn't solve this problem. And I do believe Bailey, you know, from the beyond had this situation happen And now I'm back to being, you know, a whole person again. But I will tell you that the one thing that struck me of all the trainers that I spoke to, I spoke to a friend of mine in Nashville, and she said to me, I've listened to your story, and I I listened to what happened, and she said to me, listen, your job right now is to keep this dog safe. You have the ability to do it. You can do it. Whereas other trainers may say, oh, my gosh, you have to keep the humans safe. Where I live, there isn't a time when there are great Maybe once a year somebody comes here because of where I live. I'm you know, on a ranch with a lot of horses and out of town, and we meet people in town. It's easier for them. But this particular trainer said to me, your job is to keep him safe. So that means if you are having people over, take him to doggy daycare. If you are, you are going to keep that dog safe. He's a deaf dog. He's young. He's a Border Collie cross. He's very, very hyper. There's nowhere else he can go. So you have him and your job is to keep him safe. And I was so touched and affected by what she said because she's absolutely right. And, you know, you know that Bailey knows that. So it's it's a win-win situation because he's got two choices. They're either going to put him down or he has to be in a safe environment. Exactly. And so I think that that was, you're basically giving a gift of life rather than just keeping him safe. By doing safety, you are giving him life. Otherwise, he wouldn't have a life. 
Yeah, and, and that's kind of where I came to and where I came to and what was I going to do. But it took that trainer, that friend of mine, for her to say that. And then I picked up all of my cards off the floor and said, yep, you're right. I've got my full deck. I know exactly what I'm going to do. You know, I really, my thanks to her because she was really instrumental in helping me, you know, work through that situation as well. But, um, but again, it was a bad situation that actually good came out of it, and uh, I don't regret it. It's never nice to have somebody bitten in your home, but I don't regret what happened. Everything turned out all right. The person was fine, took a Band-Aid. It wasn't a big deal, and, and so everything worked out okay. But what a great thing that came from that. And I think, again, it's the way you look at it, and it's how you understand things that happen as they roll out. Well, I think, you know, people who say, I can't get another pet after Fluffy died, they're basing it on a life that was. Right. Your, your pet is wanting you from the other side to go, hey, I'm alive and kicking. Let's move forward. And I promise you, since I was the uh, I was the derelict and spending over seven years, I didn't even talk to anybody hardly after Mike died. So I understand excessive ongoing, unnecessary, way too long grief. I did it. I lived it. I get it. But I think that the one thing I learned after that is Mike said to me from the other side, well, I'm glad you're finally deciding to get in life because I've been waiting for you to do it. And I just sort of reared back and went, what did you just say? Mm-hmm. And I said, I thought I was honoring you with all this grief and couldn't go forward. He said, no, I'm alive and well on the other side. What's your problem? I'm just waiting for you to catch up. Mm-hmm. And I went, what? And so when you have this told to you by the person on the other side, you think to yourself, huh, there may be some validity to that. So what I'd like for each of you today to think about after you've heard Gina's story and how her dog gifted her with this next dog to give life to because of her huge heart, and you've heard ways to properly channel your grief to go forward, I'd like you to ask yourself, are you having your grief for you? Or are you doing it for an appropriate amount of time for your heart and then honoring your pet by acknowledging their living energy and that only their body transitioned, not their soul, and that they're waiting for you to go do things and be happy and go forward? That's the question I want you to ask yourself. Because if you want to communicate with your pet, they're a living energy. You can talk to them while they're transitioning When they get to the other side, there is no time frame that you can't. Only your mind stops you from thinking that there's a time frame you can't access your pet. You're the only person that stops that process because I look at and see dead pets, souls, and spirits, and I watch them through the whole thing. So you can be communicating with them while they're being given the injection and saying, what do you think? Does it hurt? Does it not hurt? And carry on a complete conversation with them. Although the owner is experiencing terrible emotional heartfelt angst because the body is preparing to leave, but the pet spirit's going, hey, I'm out of here. I feel fine. Let's go. And so one of the reasons we do these shows is to hopefully give you a new angle on your thought that pet loss is not forever. It's about the loss of a fur suit or a feather suit or a fin suit. And then the living energy is what you celebrate and move forward with. So, anything else you want to wrap up with today, Gina, as a little tidbit for our folks? No, I absolutely love what you just said. I mean, it's very, very true. I mean, who exactly are you grieving and stopping your life for? You know, if your pet, and I always have to think about that at the time when they do transition. You know, when Bailey transitioned and I was holding him in my arms, he sighed at the point when he left. And I thought, well, 
that didn't sound bad. It sounded like he just let go of all of the pain. And you have to think he's in a better place. He's in a better place than he was before because he doesn't have the painful body to carry around anymore. That's right. And that's what's most important because someone wrote in our Facebook group, and we invite all of y'all to come on over to our Facebook pet loss group. And if you like, ask questions in there. Those questions inspire our pet loss radio shows and those questions inspire our pet loss blog and inspire our pet loss TV. So bring them over and ask anything you want to ask because that's how we can answer your questions to help heal your heart. And one person said, well, my pet's on the other side healing. Uh, No. Once the pet evacuates the fursuit, they're whole. The energy and spirit and soul is whole. They're not unhealthy anymore. It was the fursuit. It was the body. The physical body is what deteriorates. The soul and the spirit never deteriorates. So get yourself together, appropriately grieve, and then move forward doing good things to honor your pet as a living energy instead of a dead fursuit. So we hope you'll visit us next week, and I hope to see you looking at all of our podcasts because they're there 24-7 to help your heart heal. Many thanks to Gina today for extending and expanding our minds by sharing her experiences to help you help your heart heal. Look forward to seeing you next week. Bye-bye. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.